We'll turn now in the book of Proverbs to Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs 26, I know that the bulletin says Proverbs 23, but it's nice for everyone to be reminded of the pastor's fallibility. It's a joke. Proverbs 26, that's on page 459 in the Pew Bibles. Proverbs 26, hear God's word. As snow in summer and rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not align. A whip for the horse a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. He who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like the legs of the lame that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. The great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. A lazy man says, there is a lion in the road. A fierce lion is in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges... So does the lazy man on his bed. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no tail-bearer, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost body. Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. He who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, 
his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Here ends the reading of God's holy and inspired word. You'll see in the the bulletin that it, it says uh, self-control. Uh, it's sloth is our, is our theme for this evening. I wasn't too lazy to uh, update the bulletin. It was that I thought I'd finished the evening service first, but I normally do that first and then go to the second, the morning service, but I did it in reverse and then, uh, but it illustrates well if you uh, bear with me. So our theme for this evening is actually sloth. Last week's was uh, self-control. Almost immediately upon leaving the cross in uh, Pilgrim's Progress, Christian comes upon three men that sought to take his eyes off of the cross and off of that road going to Prince Emmanuel's celestial city. It says, I saw in my dream that he went on thus even until he came to the bottom where he saw a little out of the way three men fast asleep with fetters on their heels. The name of the one was Simple, another was Sloth, and the third was Presumption. Christian then seeing them lie there went to them that he might awaken them and cry, You are like them that sleep at the top of a mast, for the Dead Sea is under you, a gulf that has no bottom. He quotes Proverbs 23, Thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea. And he says, Awake and come away, and be willing, and I will help you off with your irons. And he told them, if he that goes about like a roaring lion comes by, you will be certainly prey to his teeth. And then each of the three answer uh, Christian. And Sloth looks at Christian and he responds and he says, just a little more sleep. Don't speak to me of diligence. Don't tell me to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling or to make my calling and election sure. Study not me a little more sleep. Pray, no, I don't think so. A little more sleep. So sloth and the idea of sloth is something that comes into our language, into English, not as something that was a secular idea and then is adopted by the religious community, but sloth is something that was a religious idea and then found its way into the secular realm. Sloth began as a religious word, a word that means that comes from the Latin and it has a rich, rich tradition uh, throughout the Middle Ages. You can read so much about sloth. And the word, uh, mentally, sloth has a number of distinctive components in which 
uh, of which the most important is the idea of affectivelessness or a lack of any feeling for self or a lack of any feeling for others. It's a, a state of mind that is in a perpetual state of boredom or apathy or passive or inert or sluggish mentally. And physically, fundamentally, uh, sloth is a cessation of motion and an indifference to work. And it finds expression in idleness primarily. So you can think about that. Mentally, sloth is just, I don't want to do this. I don't want to think. I don't want to work. I don't want to labor. And that mentally works its way out in physical life as idleness. But that which covers all of it, both mental and physical sloth, it begins biblically with the idea of a spiritual problem. One who knows truth. One that knows that he or she must be in Christ or must be in the Word of God or must be in worship or must have family worship or must be one that, that sings the Psalms or one that must be fervent in prayer. And mentally, the idea as they look to the, the spiritual requirements says, I, I, just, I just don't have the energy for those things. And that is reflected both mentally and physically in the Word of God. This is the word sloth. The word that we understand as idleness. So what did the Proverbs say about sloth? I'll give you four principles and then five takeaways for what the book of Proverbs says about sloth. Uh, the first thing that we're told about sloth is that those that live in sloth will sleep away their lives. You can think of Proverbs 6, 9. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? Or Proverbs 26, saying, As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. The idea is that there is so much life to experience both spiritually and intellectually and physically. There's all of this stuff that needs to occur and we know our time is short in this life. And the one who is affected with sloth says, I'll, I'll sleep that away. Just, I'll hit snooze one more time. And one more time. And one more time. So sleeping away life. We see also that he or she that is affected by sloth is one that lives in poverty or enslavement. Poverty or enslavement. You can think of Proverbs 10, verse 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor and the hand of the diligent make rich, or Proverbs 12, 24, uh, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced 
labor. So the idea of not having the industry that we've already talked about and just being in this default mode of existence is going to lead to poverty and enslavement. But it's not just sleeping away life or poverty or enslavement. We see thirdly, as principles here, that the sloth is one that wastes resources. Uh, Proverbs 12, 27 and 28, the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. So there's this resource that just sits there and is wasted because he refuses uh, to use it. And friends, you can apply that, that principle of sloth and wasted resources, you can apply that in those realms that we've spoken about, spiritual life and intellectual life and physical life or your work. You think of all of the resources that are at your disposal and my disposal spiritually. All of those things that we can dive into and invest into or in our intellectual life, in our mental life. All of the things we can do as we look and study and read and grow and expand ourselves and that working itself out in physical life as we work and labor in industry in whatever fields God would call you to. Resources for the sloth go wasted. They go unused. Untapped resources, as we would say. And fourthly, we see that the sloth is a man or a woman who constantly lacks. They constantly lack. Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of a lazy man desires. There's always something that they do not have because their lack of industry and their laziness keeps them from finding these things to be satisfied. So several other proverbs that could be looked at. We could look at the proverb that we read. Do you see a man that's wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than him. The lazy man says there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinge, so does the lazy man on his bed. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl and it wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. So this proverb, Proverb 26, it tells us that the lazy man or the sloth, he looks out at the world and he finds excuses. He finds excuses for him to continue in his sloth. There might be a lion out there. How am I supposed to know? Like we could say that here in Central Florida. There might be a, there might be a, a panther. Why would I leave my house? Who's to know what harm there is in the street? And he uses that as an excuse to not perform spiritually and intellectually and physically in his labors. And then instead, what he chooses to do, rather than going out into this world where he's called to go and to labor for the kingdom of God, instead he stays in his bed and he hinges back and forth, back and forth. Now, is it wrong to ever sleep in? Is it wrong to ever hit snooze? 
I'm not saying that at all. This is a lifestyle of sloth that is being here described. And it says that he's so lazy when he finally gets out of that bed where he's playing door hinge all night, and he finally gets up and he has his food in front of him, he puts his hand in the bowl and he's so lazy that he can't even get his hand to pick up to his mouth. He knows that he needs to be provided for, but he won't even put his hand from the bowl into his mouth. And the Proverbs tell us in verse 16 here of 26 that he is wiser in his own eyes than seven that answer sensibly. What that means is that lifestyle that he's living. I, I'm, I can't go out there. There's danger out there. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to sleep all day. And then when he goes to eat, he's like, oh, man, I can't, I can't do that. I can't even, can't even find the energy to do that. It tells us, the Proverbs tell us that he sees that as wisdom. He's a man who's proud because he's living this life of, of sloth, thinking that this easy route or this living for the weekend is something that is going to be of great value to him in this life, and it's not. So what are some takeaways? We could talk about how there's always tomorrow. That could be the motto of the one who is living in sloth. There's always tomorrow putting off what needs to be done. I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Friends, you and I know how short life is. The things that we need to do, if we just constantly are putting them off till tomorrow, we will get nothing done. And that's true of our labors for the kingdom. It's true in our family life. It's true in your vocations. It's true in all things that you may have desire for. So, uh, takeaway, there's, al there's always tomorrow. Secondly, the uh, sloth says that the risk is too high. There's never a risk taken. That's what we see in the refusal to go out. If, if, if there's a, uh, in, in the sloth's mind, if there's a discussion between taking risk and the road that is easy, the road that is easy is always taken. Thirdly, there's pride. There's the idea that we saw in 26 where he is always wiser than you. You know, you might work hard, but he's smarter. He doesn't work hard, and he thinks that is smarter. Fourth takeaway, he is self-centered. The idea that, that the world should give him the time that he requires for uh, whatever it is that he would want to do. And then fifthly, he is discontent but never satisfied. He's discontent but never satisfied. You know those people maybe at work that are the laziest of the group and they seem to always be complaining but never doing the work, never stepping up to do the work, never satisfied with what's provided, and always discontent, but never laboring for change or never laboring for things 
to be made better. See, this is all part of that mentality or that worldview of the sloth. And I want you to think, as we started out, sloth is something that begins as a spiritual problem in the Word of God. The Word's history is a spiritual word. First and foremost, there is a spiritual problem that leads to this physical or emotional or vocational problem. C.S. Lewis writes about this in Screwtape Letters. I'm sure many of you have, have read the Screwtape Letters. And uh, if you haven't, Screwtape Letters is a fictional story about a demon and he's training a younger demon on the ways to go and to do his demonic activity. And it's uh, set up as letters and discussions between, uh, between these two demons. And in this one section, we see the younger demon being taught to convince Christians to live in apathy, to live without really caring, and to live in that, that state of sloth. Lewis writes, in this state, your patient, that's the Christian, will not omit, but he will increasingly dislike his, du his religious duties. He will think about them as little as he feels he decently can and forget them as soon as possible when they are over. He will want his prayers to be unreal. He will dread nothing so much as effective contact with the enemy. His aim will be to let sleeping worms lie. And this condition becomes more fully established. You will be gradually freed from the tiresome business of providing pleasures as temptation. So this idea that uh, the, the demonic realm gives pleasure and pleasure and pleasure. And eventually, as sloth and apathy set in, they're able to not give pleasure as temptation. Because the temptation doesn't find itself there anymore. He goes on and he says, as the uneasiness and the reluctance to face it cut him off more and more from happiness, as his habit renders the pleasure of vanity and excitement and flippancy at once less pleasant and harder to forego, you will find that anything or nothing is sufficient to attract his attention. You can make him do nothing for long periods. You can keep him up late at night staring at a dead fire in a cold room. So this idea that once you're able to have apathy and sloth to set in, the demonic realm is able to step back and say, we don't need to be fighting you because you've put down your weapons. You're not in the battle. You can really get the imagery of one just sitting before a dead fire, staring and doing nothing. That's what Lewis says the result will be. He says nothing is powerful. Ambitions and lust are destroyed at nothing. Nothingness becomes the spiritual life of the sloth. And friends, that should terrify you. It should terrify you as you consider the fact that we are in a spiritual battle and we're called to diligence within that spiritual battle. And that diligence in that spiritual battle 
is something where all of us ought to be sharpened in all areas of life so that in our spiritual life we're able to be sharp as well. You're not going to be sharp in your spiritual life and in all of these other areas of life be dull. And you're not going to be sharp in these other areas of life as a Christian and be dull in your spiritual life. So we see that uh, this sloth is something that is able to affect us as believers. And it's something that the wicked one would have us to fall into. Spurgeon writes on sloth as well. He has a beautiful sermon on sloth. And in that sermon, he says, <clears throat> Some men are never awake when, he, when they get to the train. They crawl into the station just in time to see that everybody's off and sleepily say, Dear me, is the train gone? My watch must have stopped in the night. And they always come into town a day after the fair, and they open their wares an hour after the market is over, and they make their hay when the sun has set, and cut their corn as soon as the fine weather ends. And they cry, Hold hard after the shot has left the gun, and lock the stable door when the steed has been stolen. And he goes on and he says, they are, more, they are no more worth than an old almanac. Their time has gone for lack of use. You think of that. Think of that imagery. Think of those that, that you know, they're never on time for work. They never put diligence into their work. They're just coasting through life. They're never thinking about anything. Their spiritual life is always a mess. And Spurgeon, he looks him in the eye and he says, you're as valuable as last year's almanac. Friends, this is a serious matter. This is something that goes into our spiritual lives. We could talk about reading the Word of God, diligence in reading the Word of God. We could talk about the study of the scriptures. We could talk about the way we hear sermons. We could talk about diligence in the things of God in general. We could talk about uh, being too sleepy at all times for fellowship. All of these ways that our spiritual lives are affected and the way, the cure, the cure for sloth in the Word of God is what I've already mentioned. It is diligence. Diligence is is the key. One said, let the great motives of holy zeal and diligence be set home and printed on your heart. Friends, we are to be diligent as humans. We are to be diligent in the things of God. And sloth, since it starts as a spiritual problem, that means that the answer begins there. You want things to work out in your life in these areas. The Word of God says, since this is a spiritual problem, it must first be solved at the spiritual level. It must be solved by being diligent in the things of God and the means of grace. We must be diligent in seeking God and putting Him first. See, it is so easy for our dull soul to remain sleepy. And yet we must remind ourselves that it is heaven that 
we seek. It is the face of Christ that we labor towards. It is the things of God that equip us for life in this world. We are to zealously and diligently look to the Lord and remember that our time in this life is uh, little. Our time is going away day by day and how soon it will end. Sometimes in my head, I think that 1990 was 20 years ago. And it's not. It's a lot faster. It's a lot longer than that. And I'm sure that in your minds, if you're older than me, you may have some other date. And you say 20 years ago, and then you reflect on it, and you're like, that's not 20 years ago. Time moves so quickly. And sloth is something that is able to keep godly men and women from advancing the kingdom and seeing their lives used unto the glory of God. We're to avoid it. We're to fight against it. And we are to use diligence unto the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.